a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I like the Prada. On this episode, I chat to Erin Deering, entrepreneur and co-founder of Triangle. Too cold to wear outside. Oh, just wear it inside and be fabulous. Yeah. Erin tells us about how she uprooted her life and moved to Hong Kong. She may or may not have lived on Cantuna. Then how Triangle became one of the most successful brands in Australia for swimwear. How she exited the business and what she is doing next. How I love that you're doing it with those potato earrings on as well. <laughs> well, I have to. When you've got kids and you don't have a really active social life, I have to wear this stuff to like go to the supermarket. This is actually the first time I've ever met Erin, but I fell in love with her swimwear when it first began and I first began influencing when she sent me an orange polka dot bikini before the neoprene, but I knew there was some magic happening. This is exciting, isn't it? I know. Erin, I am so excited to have you on this episode of Sliding Doors. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very, very excited. Yay. So I do something to my guests at the beginning of every podcast. It's called a fast five. Mm -hmm. So it's five really quick questions. And what I have learned, and I say this every episode, is that the quicker you answer, the more honest the answers are. So don't try not to think about them. Okay. 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 What was the last song you listened to? Oh God, Pump It Up by Endor because my three-year-old is obsessed with it and makes us play it. So loves it. Amazing. Snacks, sweet or salty? Salty, salty. An item you can't live without? Oh God, I don't want to say this now because it sounds really vague, but my like anything Bottega, like my Bottega bags. I love that. I, that should have said something I way better, love but it. no, that, no, that's a take it. Head. I would also just like to say to everybody that's listening, she's currently sitting here in a denim Prada shirt. So we may be kindred spirits. I'm loving it. I'm here for it. Okay. What's your guilty pleasure? Oh, um, eating anything yum, especially due, you know, in the last few years where we've been home so much. Yes. True. <laughs> and lastly, what's the last photo on your phone? Oh, um, oh God. What is it? I probably, I take screenshots, so it's probably, yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a photo of the headphones that I needed for our podcast. That's so boring. But the, the last one of like that's cool because that's like a terrible one is me in some new Gucci um, platforms that I got and I was sending it to a girlfriend. I love this. So that's better. There's a whole nother <laughs> podcast I feel just about our shopping habits. <laughs> I, but... I think we're very aligned in that one. We, could, we, we don't want to go on that tangent. That's I know. That would be fun though. That yeah, would be would. very entertaining. <laughs> 
So Erin, for people that don't know you, would you be able to just kind of give us a little explanation of who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I am or was the co-founder of Triangle Swimwear. Um, So I started that business with my partner in 2012 um, and we had that business for seven or eight years. Um, It's still going now, but I exited. Um, And yeah, that's probably really the kind of the main thing of who I am (laughs) because that's really been like a whole life in itself, that journey. And yeah, and I lived overseas that whole time, moved back home in 2018 and I've just been sort of doing my thing here for the last few years, slowly assimilating back into Australia. Kind of like when you live overseas for so long, you're in a bit of denial about (laughs) being an Australian and now I'm like so back, it's like I never left, which is good and bad. Where were you (laughs) overseas? Where were you living overseas? So we moved to Hong Kong to start the business and then... Three years after that, we moved to Monaco, which was really cool, very different and kind of like when I say we lived there, that's like a really loose term because we, that was our base, but we travelled just nonstop the whole time, yeah. which was amazing, yeah. which is probably why, to be honest, lockdown and COVID hasn't, and this, I don't want to sound insensitive to people who it has affected, but it's actually not been too bad for me because I've done so much travel in uh, in the last 10 years yeah. that I actually quite like being in one place. The thought of travelling is like exhausting for me. But yeah, so that's it. I know it's a funny thing. You reflect on it, don't you? Oh. When you're in situations like this, you kind of, I, I'm very grateful for all of those yeah. months and years that I travel. Yeah. Very, very yeah, grateful. Yeah, yeah. Because you get so used to it when you're doing it that you just kind of, that's life. And now just like thinking back, it's, it is, it's a lot of appreciation and, and gratefulness for sort of living that life. And, um, totally. And also just kind of not taking it for granted because it could get taken away. <laughs> This is very true. But back to triangle. I mean, triangle for me, and I would just love to chat about this for a little bit because triangle kind of broke into the world and just blew it up. And I remember, I actually remember you guys sending me one of your very first swimsuits when I kind of had started yes. blogging. Yeah. It was like orange polka dots. I was like, I oh really, God, that's really early. Yes. That was before neoprene. Yes. Yeah. Not many people know that. No. <laughs> and I remember it. And I kind of, I actually was working for Sea Folly at the time. It was yeah. really funny. Yeah. And I remember getting it and kind of going, there's something about this brand that's really, really cool. So yeah. before the neoprene, I would love to hear how did it start? How did you start it? Gosh, well, it was um, Craig and I. So Craig is my um, ex-partner who I met back at the very, very beginning of Triangle. And we basically came up with the idea on our second date (laughs) because we went to the beach and, you know, he's like casually said like, let's go to the beach tomorrow or whatever. And I was like, yeah, no worries. It's fine. (laughs) And freaking out internally because, you know, a beach is like minimal clothing and, you know, you try to impress this guy. And I was not a bikini girl. So I was not the kind of girl that had a big, I spent money on every other piece of fashion and shoes and accessories over a bikini. I think I had like a black cotton on one. Yeah. Um, so I was like, holy shit, I need to go and find a bikini to look cute in like ASAP. So I went to Chadston and went, which is a shopping center in, in Melbourne. And I, um, went to all the shops trying to find something and it was really, really hard. There was no, there was either the sort of higher end, which was like Zimmerman at the time, or there were the surf brands that were kind of cool and and sort of in my kind of, I guess, vibe. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, I ended up buying a Zimmerman one, which cost me a fortune. I think yeah. it was like $160, but it was just too much for me. And I didn't want to spend that, but I wanted to look good. Anyway, so we get <laughs> down to the beach and I'm all casual about my cute little bikini. And, you know, after we started talking, I told Craig exactly what had happened because I have no, yes. you know, I'm not going to count. I have no filter, so I like have to be honest. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and that's how it started because he had a business before. So he is very, very entrepreneurial. Um, I would say far more so than I was definitely then. I wasn't at all. I'd never had a business. Yeah. You know, we started talking about it and he said, I think there's a real market for it. And that sort of opened my eyes up to there being a huge gap that we yeah. thought in the market for swimwear that sort of was cool, but not too cool. That was like considered to be above a surf brand, but not sitting in a Zimmerman area. And that's kind of really how it started. Yeah. Craig definitely pushed it in the start because he'd done it before and I had a lot of fear to overcome on yeah. starting a business. And I still do, you know, we're thinking about the next business. It's just a natural thing. Yeah. And, yeah, so we just kind of kept mulling over it and then decided to move to Hong Kong to really, really start it and launch it because we kind of knew we needed that push to really focus on it. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. I have a couple of questions just talking about fear and like leaps of faith. I heard that you guys just packed up and moved to Hong Kong and had no cash and were pretty much eating like tin tuna. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like we, it's funny because triangle is considered to be a bit of an overnight success. And when you look at a business and it's sort of, you know, trajectory, you would say that it, that it kind of was. Yeah, it was amazing. But, yeah. yeah, but we really, really did the hard yards at the start. We packed – so we we met in October 2011 and then moved to Hong Kong in June, May 2012. Yeah. We quit our jobs. We sold everything we had, which wasn't much, and we moved overseas and put, you know – all the money we had that we'd saved went into living there and setting up the business. So when it came to actually needing to launch the business and buy product yeah. to, you know, and manufacture product, we, um, we had to ask for money from a few friends and we really didn't have another option, which was terrifying, but also really what you need or what we needed. And what I think a lot of people probably need to push you yeah. because we couldn't give up. We couldn't go back to our jobs. We couldn't just park it. We didn't have another option. We couldn't even afford to return home <laughs> because we'd run out of money. So we did. We lived off and like we lived off canned soup and canned food for months. And we worked, you know, like we would work from a little we had a studio apartment that was the size of a sort of a normal bedroom in, in Australia. And um, yeah. we worked from there and I would not even get out of bed some days really. I would just pick up my laptop when I woke up and work, 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 and then put it down when I needed to go to sleep. And that was for about six months. We did it that way. But, you know, it was, it was crazy and tough, but it's so rewarding because then every tiny, tiny little win feels monumental. Like every sale, like I used to get the PayPal notifications come through every time you made a sale, ding. And like, I can't tell you how much joy that brought me and nothing really still to this day you know, work-wise tops that. It's so true. It's actually, it's so funny and it is so true. I remember when 
my bottles got hot stamped. Yeah. I went from a sticker to a hot oh stamp. Oh my God, yeah. And it was like the biggest <laughs> thing ever. And just saying that out loud sounds so silly, mm-hmm. but it's very true I when know. you grind so hard and you hustle so hard at the beginning, it yeah. is the little things that make such a huge difference. Yeah. What kind of skills did you have in the beginning that you kind of identified and you were like, this is what I'm bringing to the business. Yeah. So it took me at the time, I probably didn't realize it. Um, it was, it's only really on reflection. I've really been able to hone it probably just because I'm moving forward. So into other businesses. So it's like, what do I, what would I bring and what do I love? You know, because I always like that marriage, you know, like it's not always what you're just good at. It's also what you really enjoy doing. And for me, it was just being extremely customer centric, I am just obsessed with the psychology behind what makes someone think in terms of what's going to make them like something, what's going to make them want to buy something, what like what are they looking at before and, you know, all of those little triggers um, and combining that with doing it in a really intentional sort of way with a lot of integrity. Yeah. So that's really what I love and what I think I'm also really good at is just reading a person and, and building a connection. And so at, at the in the early stages of Triangle, that was really easy because we were so small and I would talk to every customer that bought something pretty much and, you know, nurture them through that process and reply to all the comments on Instagram and reply to all the messages. And I don't even think there were DMs back then. They weren't launched. That's how <laughs> That's old. <true. laughs> there wasn't such a thing, which made it easier. Yeah. But, yeah, so it was really just, just that kind of, you know, it stepped more into now, I guess, like also taking that into then marketing a brand. And, like, the yeah. term, you know, marketing is so loosely used now and, and very broad. But I really do enjoy dissecting a business in terms of what the customer actually really wants and just being really mindful of always thinking of them at the forefront of what you do and never letting anything else get in the way. And I think that I do have an ability to do that really well. And I was able to do it with Triangle and really take it. You know, Craig was the designer. He was the visionaire. He's the creative director. He always had the vision in that way. Yeah. So we actually had an absolutely perfect combination of two skill sets. 100%. Yeah, you've got it covered. Yeah, because he was so in that way that he naturally he didn't have space to think of the customer in that way. And yeah. I was so not in that way of, like, I know what I like, absolutely, but I can't come up with that stuff. Yeah. And so I was so in that way of always, always going back to the customer that it just worked. I mean, it was tough at times because we butt heads, but it <laughs> yeah, really but would that's... always, yeah, we'd always come back around and, and it was always, and it did work because, you know, I really do think Triangle was so successful because it was the two of us with our completely different approaches coming together to make it happen. It's funny hearing you say that about the customer and how important they were to you, because I feel like I talk to a lot of, you know, brand founders and things like that. And yes, they listen to the customer, but for you to be solely focused and be able to kind of like hear what they want, do what they want, pivot to where they are. And thinking back to some of those first send outs that I got, they really did look after the customer. Do you know what I mean? Like even the little pouch that it came in, the personalized letter, like it was very, when you think it was considerate to the customer. Yeah. I guess I have to ask about the neoprene. Yes. Because I feel like there were no neoprene bikinis out there. And then all of a sudden it just blew Blew up. up. Like how did that happen? Well, again, that was Craig's discovery and, you know, not just wanting to do something different and wanting to just try something that, you know, because the first batch of bikinis was so cute and they were, 
you know, we did like a, like a little graphic print and, but it was done in nylon spandex. So it wasn't anything new. It wasn't anything different. Yep. It wasn't anything that was really going to yep. like grab. Cause that's the thing, you know, as much as you, you have to focus on customer and taking care of their needs, product is key. But I feel like your bottoms were smaller. Yes. I feel like you did kind of break the way because I remember the bottom being like a cheeky Brazilian. It wasn't like full Brazilian, but it was like cheeky. And I feel like people were talking about that. It was. See, we took a while to do the cheeky, like a while in our heads, but probably quick to market for other people. In the beginning, it was more like a normal hipster bikini. And that was fine for the the Aussies because that's what we were used to. But because we hit the American market a lot quicker than we thought we would they are like cheeky yeah. bottom girls they are like why are you selling nappies like yes, they could it's not, so strange that, but you it, feel oh, good when you're over there oh yeah you feel really like, free they're so confident with that and they were like do a cheeky bum do a cheeky bum and honestly like every time we put a different color out or a different whatever they were screaming for it so we just went I, I don't know do we I think we got to do this and we tested yeah. it and that became our thing yeah like a little neoprene cheeky bum became kind of our signature look yeah and that was thanks to all those amazingly confident younger American girls that were pushing us into doing it and then the Australian market took hold of it and we were sort of I guess the first to what well, I don't know if we were the first because we were living overseas so we did lose a bit of sight of what was happening in the Aussie market just because it wasn't as big as the American. Yeah. But we were kind of, you know, we really took the cheeky bum into Australia, I think, early on. Like we were one of the first ones to do it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like I legitimately remember having the conversation at Folly and saying, I think we need to make the bums a little bit smaller. Skimpy above, I know. Yeah, because it was, it felt weird and they were very not into it. It yes. was too far forward for them. Yeah. Even yeah. we were hesitant to do it because because we always would make things that I would wear. And yes. that was just because that's what we knew. And that was safe to us. And it was also just safe to really market that because it was just really, you know, honest and true. So when we did the cheeky bum, it was really, you know, it was a, a big leap for us because it was such a different category and, 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 and move, but it really, really ended up paying off. And it is so much more flattering than the hipster bum. It's very true. People it don't really realize is. it. People don't realize it, but it actually is. It, it, it makes your bum look smaller. smaller. I don't know how it's it like does it, optical but it does it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. So it was nice. And, you know, that was us really, again, just listening to that customer and, you know, back then it was so easy to monitor on Instagram, the comments and, yeah. you know, we just kept getting that. So we just thought we can't ignore this anymore. We have to put them out there. And we did, and it was great. So going along and you're having the conversations about cheeky bottoms, neoprene bikinis, world domination. Yes. Who was, like, supporting you besides you yourselves, you and Craig? Who who were your cheerleaders? It really was just the two of us, you know. We didn't – we were paving such a new way for us and and in that Instagram space, which was so new, like we were really an early adopter of that platform. We were really on our own, which, you know, in hindsight probably was pretty tough because, you know, when you had those like freak out moments, you didn't really have anyone to turn to that had done it before that kind of was able to sort of talk you through it. So there were a lot of like very late nights where Craig and I were just like freaking out about stuff and both getting really worked up about things. Um, you know, obviously my family back home were a big support. Um, but it also, you know, when we're off doing that and everyone back here was kind of still doing their own thing, it it does become really isolating because you are on your own. And I didn't really feel like I had anyone else to sort of turn to and, and talk to about it. Um, 
yeah, I didn't really have any mentors during the time, but it was okay because I'm very much a person that likes to do things on their own anyway. Yeah. I've definitely had to do a lot of work healing <laughs> since then because there was so much I took on that I yeah. didn't process well at the time. Like what what kind of stuff did you take on? Oh, just just the, the stresses of having a business with your partner. You know, Craig and I ultimately separated um, at the end of it and our relationship really was so tied to Triangle that when we sort of got into the later years after having our firstborn, things really started to deteriorate between us. And we didn't know how to fix it because we had we just had the business always to think about and we always put that first. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So, you know, that was really, really a lot to go through and to not talk to anyone about it yeah. in a really balanced way. Because Craig and I were together pretty much 24-7, really, for the whole time. Like, he would go away on trips and I wouldn't go for whatever reason, yeah. you know, like sourcing trips or whatever. But pretty much we were always together. And we didn't really have friends in Hong Kong or in Monaco yeah. because we were so business-focused. So it was a really lonely, isolating time. And I didn't want anyone back home to know about it either because I was living the dream and I was living this amazing life. So couldn't be like, I'm actually really struggling and lonely, guys. I know sometimes it's like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Would you say it's like that? Because I feel like, mm-hmm. like I said, it was world domination with yeah. Triangle. Yeah. So when did you exit? I exited in 2018. So we'd just had our second boy in November 2017. Craig and I had already separated just before then, but we professionally separated in March 2018. That's massive. That's huge. Yeah, it was a lot. It was it was really, really a lot to go through. And, like, I consider myself a very strong person. Yeah. But... The most strength I think I've found in the last few years is through vulnerability and being open. I understood strength back then to just mean bottle it up, keep it in, act brave, act tough, you're fine, you've got this. Yeah. And that's really not the best way to handle stuff. So it was a lot to deal with. And I think the, that, that 2018, that year was probably my lowest year. Should have been great because I should have had, you know, the world at my feet. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. It was, it was really sucky. And it's only sort of in the last year or two that I've really been able to to come back to myself yeah. and work out who that is because, you you know, it was so, such formative years. I, I was, we did the business from, you know, 20, I was 27 years old to 33. And that's pretty much like this six year mm-hmm. kind of time that is you really, really evolving who you are. And I just had a complete identity crisis during that time and following. So it's been a long process to get back to to working out who I am. I love that in that you built a multi-million dollar business yeah, though. Yeah, I know. Like, it's like <laughs> some people have breakdowns and like all they can do is pretty much go to the shopping centre and you built a multi-million dollar business know, in that. It's quite extraordinary. It's yeah, it but is. it's amazing to be able to reflect on it. And I think, you know, I hate to say the word journey, but it is a journey and you learn so much. And mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to ask you about your sliding door moment and then chat yes. about what's up next because I feel yes. like, it's it's very amazing to actually be able to have a, such a candid conversation with somebody that's left a business. A lot of people yes. are tied by NDAs and can't say anything. So it's, <laughs> it, it's no, but it's really refreshing to actually yes. be talking to somebody that, you know, like you hit the highs of the high and you've left and I would love to know what's happening next. But first, your sliding door moment. Yes. Oh, um, this is a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> I, it'd have to be. It'd have to be moving to Hong Kong. It, yeah. I mean, it would have to be that because 
trial just wouldn't have happened, um, you know. Yeah. So definitely then, you know, because that was just, there was no going back. There yeah. was no, and like we were, you know, Craig and I were both very proud people. So we were never going to go back with our towel between our legs. We were going to make this business a success no matter what. I love that. I have to say, I still remember somebody telling me the tuna, eating the tuna. And I was like so inspired by it because I think I was eating Vitaweets with Vegemite on them. So I was like, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. And you find joy in the small things you know like we really did we'd find a few places to go that did like a happy hour and we'd get like a I think it was like 40 Hong Kong dollars which was probably like <laughs> a five dollar cocktail or something and like we we found ways to like find joy yeah, yeah, but in yeah. really really small things and you know it's just about being adaptable and and that wouldn't have happened in Australia because yeah. we wouldn't have parked our ego. You know, we would have we would have wanted to keep up with the Joneses and wanted to do Yeah, because you know everybody. Things. Yeah, but in Hong Kong, we were, we were like, it was okay to wear the same thing every day and not have new clothes and eat canned food and not go anywhere. I feel like you can make a mistake over there and it's not as bad. Yeah. When you make a mistake and people know you, yeah. the ego does get involved and you do need to park your ego. Yeah. And that would have been, it was just so easy and quick to do it being there because we were so anonymous and Hong Kong is the best city in the world. I think to do that in, because it's such a mix of people from all over the world, all who left their own country and hometown to try to do something different. So it had that feeling of like hope and just like people just out there actually like trying something. And it was just a lovely place. Like I really feel like Hong Kong was, you know, was probably that probably was like going back to that support question. Hong Kong was my support. Oh, I love that. Like I felt really nurtured in that city and like I'm dying to go back there because I really just adore it. And both my boys were born there. So I have a huge attachment to it. Yeah. You really got roots there. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very grateful to Hong Kong. It really held me up I needed it. I love that. (laughs) So what's next? I mean, the world is your oyster. What are you focusing on now? Look, it's a lot of, you know, it took, I really had to go and sort myself out first. So I took a few years to do that and just, you know, just have fun, enjoy being back in Australia. I met my um, now fiance and we have um, one little baby girl and another baby on the way. Um, so I've been really just like, you know, grounding and getting back into sort of being, feeling really happy again. So I've done that for a few years (laughs) and done a lot of, a lot of healing, a lot of, I guess, like self work, which has taken me down a very, you know, windy path of, of, of seeing different people and, you know, everything. I went like, you know, psychiatry, psychologist, yep. and now I've gone probably more into more of a spiritual side of things. Um, but I am such a logical person that I t- went into that very, not, not like skeptically, but I did go into it with sort of like, well, I have to just try a bunch of yeah. stuff to see what works. Yeah. Um, and it's really changed my life, everything that I've been doing. Yeah. I get hesitant to talk about it in, a, in because there's so many cliches of, you know, around wellness yeah. and spirituality. And I think especially in the current climate with COVID, wellness seems to have a very nasty attachment to it because people are sort of abusing that term to push whatever agenda they want, want at the moment. But I have found in terms of healing and being my best me that that space is just incredible and I that's kind of where I want to go next um, into that sort of wellness world. But I am very delicately heading down that path because 
I want to do it with a lot of integrity and I want to do it in a way that's actually going to help other people. And at the moment, I've been doing a bit of mentoring and consulting um, for just individuals. Um, I'm really conscious of doing things that just really fill me up and give me a lot of joy. And that's helping other people. And I guess it's like coming back to that customer-centric kind of thing. Isn't it funny, the circle? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like that's really what I want to do now and just help. People. So I've got a few ideas in the works um, in that sort of space. So there will be hopefully, you know, a few things coming out this this year. Probably not this year because I'm having my baby in November and I don't want to take on too much because I do that often. Yes. Um, but probably next year. I'll be out doing, you know, a a few new business ideas. See, that's exciting. It's really funny um, speaking to a lot of females, especially in this space and really high achieving females. Nearly every single one that I've spoken to has said that they've had to take some time and do some, you know, like soul searching or healing to kind of get themselves back. I think there's a lot of yeah. pressure on women, especially, do you know what I mean? To inverted commas, hustle, yeah. get it done, be the best of the best. And I mean, I was thinking about it before this interview with you. I was like, your sliding door moment. Yes. Hong Kong and everything, but also departing that business. Oh yeah. True. It identifies you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you were Aaron from triangle. Yeah. And it's, it's really weird when you lose that part of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of sort of, uh, I guess a lot of me that, that didn't want to let go of that as well, yeah. because it was like, I need to use that to get my foot in the door. Or I need to use that to do this instead of actually going, well, hang on. I have, the skills and and I have the passion to do all these things. Triangle doesn't define me. Sure, I learned a lot during that experience and yeah. like it was amazing, but it's not who I am. And letting go of that has taken a really long time. Um, and it's still there in a way because, you know, I know that it will always help because people will be like, oh, I, I remember her. Like she, you know, and it's like, <laughs> so it's great. I'm not like shunning it in any way. No, no, no. But it's just not making not making decisions because that's who I am and that's who like I should be doing this because of that you know like I know some people would be like oh she's going into like wellness like or whatever that's so I weird. think it makes sense I mean if you but can do yeah. it whilst wearing a cheeky bottomed bikini <laughs> exactly. I feel like it would that, be wonderful <laughs> that is that there's synergy there no so it's like you know I, I I tend to have a reflex of that sort of I guess a little bit of self-deprecation with it but you know, the wellness, it's been such a natural step into this because I've just done it now for two years. And, you know, I've done all the modalities. I have, you know, kinesiology and Reiki. I actually did a Reiki course where I can practice Reiki, which was an amazing experience. Um, I don't plan on practicing it. (laughs) But it's a skill. But it's It's really amazing. And it's just, you know, like energy work is really powerful and it actually is you know, it gets tied up in this big sort of like woo-woo, crazy, like weird world, yeah. but it actually is really beneficial. It's been around for a very long time. Um, and I'm all about trying to get people to just just get into it a little bit. It doesn't have to be Reiki, but get into like mindfulness in whatever way suits them. And it's, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. Like I, I find meditating impossibly hard. I'm not the kind of person that sits here going, I meditate every day. Like absolutely not. It's it's funny because Steph Shep was on a couple of weeks ago and she started Future Earth, which is all about sustainability and what we can do about our footprint. 
And when I was reading up on it, I was like, this is my kind of vibe because I can still use an expensive eye cream, but then I can recycle. Do you know what I mean? Like it's finding that space in the middle that I really do think we all need to heal. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's got an issue. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) We're not, if you even like, if if they, they would say like, if you meet a healer or anyone that says that they're like healed, run as fast as you can in the other direction. Cause it doesn't (laughs) exist. No one is fully healed. We're constantly healing and we're constantly working on ourselves, but you can feel a lot better than you did yesterday if you continue to do the work and practice it. And for me, it's like simple stuff. Like I know I need to exercise. I know you're the same. It's like, it's a mental thing for me. That's my meditation. It's funny. I couldn't sit there and think about it, but I can run and I'm good. Yeah. 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 And that's the, that's the thing. And it is different for everybody. And I think I'm really interested and really, really passionate about trying to bring those worlds kind of together. I mean, yeah. I don't want to have to, and this was the biggest thing for me, you know, I didn't want to have to suddenly stop wearing nice clothes and having nice things because yeah. I was in this world and you don't have to. That's the thing. Sure, your desires might drop because there might be some unhealthy patterns there, which I definitely <laughs> am working on myself at the moment. But, you know, it's like it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I think yeah. that's something that, I'm really wanting to sort of bring out and and work on. Yeah. But it just always does help. Like I'm a completely different person to who I was a few years ago. Yeah. And I know that's because of the work that I've done. So So that's amazing. Yeah. I feel like there's two you. There's like Erin with Triangle and now I feel like, I mean, they're the same person, but there's just two versions. It's interesting. But for somebody that is wanting to go for it on their own, yeah. do it themselves. Yeah. What advice would you give? Old and new Erin advice. Uh, um, <laughs> I, firstly, if you are someone that wants to start a business and, or, you know, go out on your own and do it, it's amazing. And, you know, you're already doing an incredible job thinking that way. Yeah. Think about what it is that you want to do and making sure that it has the right intention. Yeah. The intention of what you're doing, like the intention behind it is going to be exposed and people are going to realize how directly linked that is to their success. You know, I think that if your like, if your intention is not great and it's like, because you want to do this because you think that's cool and blah, 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 and whatever, it's probably not going to get the results that you really want. Or you might be tricking yourself into thinking something. I think if you want to start a business and want to go out on your own, just really sitting with it. And this is going to sound so like, like losing, but like it's really, you know, it's like, yeah. And and little things like, uh, you know, I think overcoming fear is the thing that holds people back a hundred percent because I was a fearful person and Craig wasn't. And I lived that. I lived that sort of being with someone who didn't have fear, who pushed me into overcoming my fear and almost dragged me kicking and screaming, you know. Actually, no, I wanted to go to Hong Kong, but I pretty much wanted to leave as soon as we yeah. got there. Yeah. It was scary and I was scared. Yeah. And I had to overcome that fear because he was fearless and I, I, I couldn't be left behind. So, you know, yeah. finding something to, like, help you overcome your fear, that's super, super important because you do need to be fearless to have a business. You can't go into starting a business and go half in. Yeah. It's just not going to work. Like it might take you to a certain point, but you're not going to get it to that level. It's only when you really overcome fear and push yourself and are terrified that you really feel it and the energy will be like 
you know, like it'll it'll feed you because you'll be not so much fed by fear, but you'll be fed by the empowerment that comes with actually overcoming that fear and actually like going, oh, my God, like I did this. Like, (laughs) you know, and that's what we were saying about those small little wins and those small moments they come from overcoming fear. That, that, that's, that's like how they're there is because you put everything into it. So the tiniest thing is such a huge achievement. You 100% have to do something in this space. <laughs> like if you don't, it's a disjustice to all of us, like 100%. I know. Because you've lived it. To. You've lived it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you've yeah. come out of it. You're still smiling. You've got your light. You know, like you've got – because it is – I think you've hit the nail on the head. I get so many messages from people saying like, how do you do it? How do I do it? And I think the fear thing is huge and nobody can do it for you. Like I know you've said Craig pulled you, Yeah, but it's you. Yeah, You've got to get over it. And the thing is when people say, how did you do it? It's like, it's like you want to say back to them, you know how, you know how, you know, you're just not doing it because you're scared that, this, 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 this. Yeah, and they're the things true. that you can overcome. Like you wouldn't be thinking to start a business if you didn't already know what you wanted to do. That's but you've got to overcome that hurdle to get there. And it's hard and you probably need to outsource and do some whatever healing or little bits of work or whatever it is to even if, if you don't really believe in it, just do it to try and trick yourself into it. To give like I loved all this work in the start because I just got to stand and talk about myself and have people talk to me about me. And I was like, this and people would be like, You're amazing, your energy's this and blah, blah, blah. and I walk out of there like I don't really care if that's bullshit because I feel amazing. Like it's I so felt true. like I was special and like and I still feel that and I think everyone, everyone is. I think everyone's incredible and we all have the ability to do amazing, incredible things. We just need to find ways to unlock that. And that is, I sound like Tony Robbins now. And I'm into <laughs> it. Do you know what? There's a space for it. Like if it happens after this, I'm taking a little bit of credit. But there's there's a space. There is a space yeah, for it. And you can do is. it with your Prada jacket on. I like, know. So I can. That makes me really you don't happy. have to give it up. You don't have to give no. that stuff up. You know, That's I was like I so like. worried that I'd have to like wear crystal like necklaces no. and and like wear like hemp clothes. I literally was like that was stopping me from doing it because I was I had fear of yeah. not of, of losing that part of my identity and yeah. you don't have to. You can be all the things that you want to be and and succeed because you're just being true to yourself, you know. So. I love that. I think that's a perfect place to end this. Erin Thank you so much for joining us. I actually love the fact that I'm talking to somebody that's lived two really different lives I and know. is in such a good place now. So I think so many people are going to take so much away from this episode. So thank you so much, Erin. Thank you, Elle. Thank you so much. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson, producer Tina Matalov, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin, and a special thanks to my manager, Camille Toulouse, for always being a fresh pair of ears on each episode. Listener.